Can you imagine God using a particular song to lead somebody to salvation? That's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to share some testimony this evening of how Jesus saved a man through a song. That's right. We're just a few days away from Get Revelation Rock Fest 2023. Go ahead and get your tickets now at Lithoscry. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. And in just a second, when I pull up our guests, you're going to be able to see the QR code. So if you've got your husband's or wife's or boyfriend's or girlfriend's cell phone, go ahead and scan that QR code. And there is our guest for this evening, Daniel Swart. Daniel, welcome to Raven's Heart. Yeah, thank you for having me. It is so exciting to have you. Now, Daniel's not just some guy that I found on the side of the street. It was like, hey, let's bring him on to Raven's Heart. We have a history together. Uh, Daniel, can you tell everybody a little bit about our background and how we know each other? Uh, Glenn and I have been in, we're in uh, grade school back in the Milford, Connecticut, and went through uh, all the way up to eighth grade. You went to a different high school. I went to a different high school, and Kind of lost touch, but we found our, uh, through Facebook, I was searching and your name came up and I reached out to him. We just started talking. <laughs> we, we did. And we, <laughs> we found we had something in common too. having grown up. I remember you from New Milford, Connecticut, and this is not just going to be reminiscing time because I'm very excited about this. You have a testimony that you're going to share with us, and you're not the first person from that sleepy little town of New Milford that has a testimony that has reached out to me and said, hey, Jesus, save me. God is doing something up there in New Milford, and right now, we just decree that New Milford, Connecticut, there's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit there, and people are going to get saved. We're going to see more and more of that, people from that town being born again. Hey, we've got viewers this evening that are weighing in. We've got Will Ferguson from the band Suffering Gift. He says, uh, hey, it's not just Will. We get a, uh, a package deal here. We get Will and Michelle. And welcome to the live stream tonight. Thank you for joining us. And yes, you can go ahead and weigh in. Our comment lines are open. And before we move any further, um, there's Michelle. She says, hey, hey, William and I are watching together. Yes. Awesome. Glad to have you with us. And I want to bring this up real quick. If you are watching us on YouTube, if you could do us a favor, 
go ahead and subscribe and hit that like button. It helps us out. It helps get the word of God out and testimonies like this out so that people can hear the word of God. And if you like what you're watching tonight, uh, we just hit a new level with YouTube. Uh, we just hit the monetization level. And in the comments section, if you want to donate to Lithos Cry to uh, continue to support uh, the Raven's Heart program, go ahead and hit the little dollar bill button at the bottom and you can go ahead and donate to us. So go ahead and weigh in. So, Daniel, how... What, what was this song that God used to lead you to salvation? Mercy means I can only imagine. And how did he use that? Well, I wasn't, you know, wasn't like I had a big thing happen back in 2006. Uh, got, got married in 2004. My wife and I got, got married in uh April 29th, 2006, uh, my wife passed away. I came home. I knew something was up. I came home, found her, and she, she was dead on the floor. Me being a EMT with the Morris Volunteer Fire Department, I went right into what I what I know is uh, what to do, and I knew she was gone. Then I, you know, tried my whole life just went into turmoil. It just... D deep depression, very deep depression. Didn't uh, care about work. Didn't care about anything. Uh, just trying to figure out why this was happening. At the time, I was very angry. Kind uh, of blame myself for it. Uh, wife and I had an argument the night before, and we just talked. You know, it was. I don't even know what the argument was about. She said something bad to me. I said something really nasty to her, and. It's the last words I ever said, so that really stuck with me uh, for a very long time. But after, you know, everybody left, the funeral was over, I went home. Uh, I put a loaded gun to my, my mouth. I was getting ready to pull the trigger. All of a sudden, my radio turned on, and the song that came on was I Can Only Imagine. Hmm. Couldn't figure out why, why it came on. I... I didn't want to be there anymore, and I just sat there and I listened to the song. And then I put the gun away, and I just sat there and cried. And I asked God, "I, what do you, what do you want me to do? You know, is there, you know, uh, anything I could do to make this pain go away?" And I just kept, you know, in that song, he just, I just kept playing it over and over and over in my head, and everything just just clicked. It wasn't, I wasn't completely healed because a lot of pain, you know, I mean, yeah, my wife and I were married 17 months, but I converted 17 months of marriage or 50 years of marriage into 17 months. And so I kind of, the next day it made me go to church down, down the street to a pastor who married me. And, you know, we talked, you know, he had a sermon and stuff. He didn't know I was in the uh, in the crowd. I was just off in the distance, and he was talking about loss and, and stuff. And he goes, I wish this man was here. He goes, you know, he could use, and lo and behold, there I am. And You were was, there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, Before we go he, further, I, I've got two questions for you. I, I've got two questions that really are kind of um, – tie into this when you went home you said that 
before you got home that you knew that something had happened or that something was going on? Was that something that you were just sensing on the inside or was it something from the night before? Was it just your gut or what, no, what it was made it? Just, you know, I made a quick phone call just to see how she was doing, like I always do, and no call. And no, normally I said, ah, you, she sleeps late, you know, no big deal. It's a Saturday. And no phone call, no phone call. And it just all of a sudden, you know, I go, something's wrong. You know, something is wrong. And, you know, me being, you know, me being me, I go in and I'm like, you know, after I got done what I was doing, went home and I said, okay, why couldn't you answer the phone? And I walked into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, and I looked at her and I knew. And I just kind of froze and say, what am I going to do? And then I, all of a sudden the EMT and me clicked, okay, CPR, blah, 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 call 911, yell at the operator, get people here. And the people that came was my EMT crew. You know, really? I mean, we were a very tight, tight knit group. We're a very small town. Everybody knew everybody and, and stuff. And it was just that moment, you know, and even before that, you know, it was before she died. I mean, I called it my seven months of hell that August before my grandmother died. Two weeks later, my brother died in a motorcycle crash and her grandmother died that January. So everything was building up, all this pressure in my head, trying, you know, trying to keep keep sane, you know, losing my grandma. Yeah, my grandmother, you know, was getting up in age, understandable. But when I lost my brother mm-hmm. at age 34, that was just, and seeing my mom go through it, trying to, trying to make sense. And my, my wife's uh, grandmother died, then, uh, or great-grandmother, then, then her, and I'm like, you know, how much more can I take? And that, that when Heather died, it was, that, that was the end. I, I had enough. I couldn't take the pain, the suffering. It just, you know, it wasn't fair, you know, and I kind of, at the point, it's kind of blaming God, you know, maybe he punished me because we got in that stupid argument and I said something bad. And I, I can still see it today. I know in a couple, couple days it's going to be 17 years since she's passed but i remember that day as if it was yesterday and everything i go through in my head you know and then it just you know when i had everybody there it kind of kept me busy you know get my mind off it but it is so true when when somebody dies and also when everybody's gone and then you got to deal with it yourself and there's nobody there it, it was just like a big empty empty space and I just said I, I couldn't take it and that's you know and I know some people say oh no you put throw the gun away don't do that mm-hmm. I'm a prouder owner of it it was just at that moment where I was right if it wasn't for that song I would not be here today and, and what that's was the it biggest about, thing what was it about that song what was the aha moment in that song it's like where you're like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What, what, when did the light bulb click? When it's, if I stand before you, Jesus, you know, down on my knees praying, and that's, that's when I did. And I asked, you know, I sat there, I go, God, what is your plan for me? And, you know, so I, I just kind of, 
uh, digressed a little bit, sat, sat down and took a breath and just tried to say, okay, what's my next moment? I said, okay, I have to go to church tomorrow. And that's what I did. And uh, Pastor Paul Hibbard uh, of the United Methodist Church in Watertown, you just talking about, and I knew who he was talking about. He goes, you know, I buried somebody and he's talking about it. And I, I knew it was about Heather, but he did not know I was there. And, you know, when he did the funeral, flashback a little bit, when he did the funeral, you know, Pastor Paul, you know, I, I wrote the eulogy. I had my best friend, uh, Blair Albrecht, uh, read the eulogy. And Pastor Paul said, he goes, if I knew what, what was in that eulogy, I would have never spoke a word. He spoke from his heart. Everything I said, you know, it was all that and and stuff. And it was, you know, and I tell everybody, you know, now I look back at it is you never go to bed angry. Oh, because you know what? The last thing you say would be the last word. And believe me, I lived that. I, it took 11 years, 11 years for that pain to go away. And it, it was just because I always, always kept, you know, reverting back. Could I have done something different Could I, if I stayed home, if I did that? No, God had a plan. Yeah, it's probably and why in was, Scripture it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It yeah. does say that. Yeah, it does say that in the Scripture, and that's a very practical application of that. And I also understand that this song, it wasn't just this one time that you heard this song, but there was another time that somebody gave you a thumb drive from what you were telling me, where the song was also yeah. on there. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, the uh, thumb drive, I was uh, going through... Um, it was 2011, I think it was, 10 or 11, I was 39, I was diagnosed with uh, stage three uh, testicular cancer, and it was really bad. I doctor told me, he goes, chemo, don't work the first time I'm sending you home, you can write your obituary, and he goes, you got to fight. If you want to fight, fight hard, and so I was in a hospital 30 32 days, 33 days, and a buddy of mine, Carl Hetzel, came out and uh, gave me a flash drive. He goes, this has this has a list of songs on it. You play it, put it in your computer. You can just listen to it. He goes, everything's about the word of God. And, I, you know, at that time, I was kind of thinking about, you know, I really want to listen to Christian music. Then I, I plugged it in. I hit play, and the first song that came on, was I can only imagine. And I must have played that song 10, 15 times. So I got every word. And I'm like, you know, and I'm I'm finally starting to see, okay, God, I got this. You know, let's let's crank it out. And you know, it's with God, I mean, I did get remarried uh prior to my cancer diagnosis. I have a beautiful daughter, Brooklyn Eileen. She's a good kid. She kind of got me through cancer too, you know, made jokes about my hair growing back, but it'll never grow back in my bald spot. But she <laughs> understands, uh, you know, having a strong family and a, the, the faith we had got me through it. You know, there, there, there were days where, I mean, that year was snow almost every day. And so I didn't see people for three, four days sometimes. And it, it got lonely and, 
I just kept playing uh, Mercy Me, playing all the all the music that was on that flash drive, and I started praying for other people. I didn't even know. I just hear them. I can't take this. I can't. And I pray, you know, hope they got the healing. Not worried about me. I'm worried more worried about them. And that that song, you know, meant so much uh, to me. And I finally got the chance to see Mercy Me right before the pandemic hit. Okay. With uh, the uh, with Jeremy Camp in uh, Wallingford, Connecticut, the old Oakdale Theater. Oh, the Oakdale. <laughs> yeah, you Oakdale. So it, it was kind of cool, you know. I go. But when they played that song, they did an they did an acapella version of it, and it just real. I was in literally in tears, and I guess I, my biggest thing I would love, love to meet these men. I've seen the movie. I'd love to meet them and just thank them because that that song, I know rings, really rings a bell for me. But I bet there's a lot of other people out there that hear this song can can relate, and I hope it does because. Christian music is not, you know, as they say, Bible thumping music. It's not. It, there's a story behind it with with God's word. Very easily listened to. I mean, the beats are great. I mean, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like not not like the 1920s music, you know. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because people say, "Oh, you're listening to Bible thumping music." I said, "No, it's Christian, music. you know." <laughs> <laughs> what you mean to tell me you don't like the great 1920s hit yes we have no bananas <laughs> <laughs> which you know. by the way was a political <laughs> protest song in the day that's something we can talk about at a later day but the oakdale theater I, I have to ask you this about music growing up what what part did music play in your life? Was it a big part of your life or was it just something that's like you had it in the background or were you really like into music? Well, we weren't, I mean, back in, when I was younger, I mean, we had no, you know, the music we had, we listened to a lot of the old, you know, 60, 50s, 60s, 70s. So I'm a huge, like, uh, I'm Beach Boys, you know, all the, all the old, Old type music, old country, Don Williams, uh, Hank Williams uh, Senior, even Junior, all all the stuff, you know. And we listened to it, but it wasn't, you know, nothing like what I listen to now. I mean, on my on my uh, in my car, I have Family Life Radio, and I also have K Love, and they're in my, and that's what I listen to all the time. And when we drove all the way from Connecticut to Air. Phoenix, Arizona. Every station we hit, we every time it went out, we hit a note, hit a button. It came on. It was another Christian station, K Love or whatever, Family Life Radio, and we just kept lit. And that's all we listened to. We didn't listen to anything else. And that's that's the love I have. You know, even my, you know, it's just uh, now music is a very big part of me, and I listen to. You know, it's not just music there there's a there's a meaning behind it even yes. some days if i can't make it to church because of work i'll listen to christian music on the way in and way out and you know because of work i can't do it so I, i'll listen to that and everyone's like oh you're listening to that and i'm like why not but we found out there's a lot of guys at work that do listen to this music and they love it 
Yep. And, you know, and I kind of tell them, you know, what, you know, who I am. It's a, it's a lot different. You know, I'm a lot different than the guy I was back in Connecticut. You know, uh, when we started the process of moving out here, you know, it led me to something. It, it said that we had to move out here. It wasn't just for my health reasons. I feel much better and stuff like that. But I have, and the biggest thing is the dream. We've talked about it, and my biggest dream is to open up a ranch out here uh, in memory of my first wife, who was a veteran. She kind of got lost in the system and stuff, so we want to do it in the memory of her, but we want to help vets and homeless and give them self-worth again. You know, we're not, you know, it's not a black and white issue, or if you're Jewish or Hispanic. Jewish or Christian or Catholic or Muslim, we're the human race. Mm-hmm. Let's take care of our our people. We are yeah. the human race. It's not about, you know, oh, you know, this person's better than me or, uh, you know, they got a better car. It's not that. If you want to change the switch, change change the situation, change the channel. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, every... Every every part of my body now, you know, I work, I, I go to the Calvary Church now, and there's something totally different about this church. I mean, they, they have a live band, and I mean, they're really rocking some music, and, but we opened up the thing, and they say, oh, every, every other sun every other Saturday, we work with, we go down and feed 500 to 700 uh homeless people at a shelter there it's called the zone there's about a thousand people on the streets i mean it is it is it's saddening but you know just going in there cooking for these people and just the gratitude you know some of them are like yeah yeah, we're just here for the food but if we could change that one or two people heart from being desperate to turn them over to god Yes. And make them understand, you know, God's got this. You know, we can help. He can help. You meant to just let them in. Don't let them, you know, go away. You know, don't just say, uh, yeah, it's just that, you know, those Jesus freaks are here just to feed us and that. And you know what? <laughs> I thought about it after because that was said at one of the first sermons I went to at the Calvary Church. And they, <laughs> the server goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, we're. We're considered the Jesus freaks, and I'm like, you know, and I never really thought about it, but also I'm like, heck yeah, yeah, Jesus why not? Freak. I'm not ashamed of it. No. Just because I go to, it's not, you know, it's it's a cool thing because you know what? Just the idea, I mean, you know, people could, you get outside your bubble, you know. I, I'm kind of more like, you know, I want to get outside that bubble, but. Then I, I drove around the first time I'm down there. I'm like, oh, my God, where am I going? I'm seeing all these tents. And, I mean, it is just a tent city. Wow. And then when I started cooking with people, did not know anybody there. And now it's like, hey, Dan, what's going on? You know, hey, you know, can you do this, do this, and help serve? And and so it, it, it's really, really cool. It's, it's not bad. I think everybody should – Give a little bit. I mean, even if it's not cooking, you know, go. I mean, every town's got homeless people. Trust me. I mean, Phoenix is it's exploding here. And it, it's yes, a shame. I've heard that. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, 
well, give them water. I mean, one time we got some mini pancakes, and I went on an urban hike, filled my backpack full of little mini pancakes and uh, baggies, and I was feeding the homeless. And I was just talking to them, and I prayed with them, and, you know, and they they go, you know, they go, uh, next time, can you bring syrup? I said, yeah, next time. I said, I go, this was just a spare of the moment thing, but, you know, <laughs> but they were very grateful. But it was, you know, I did a I did a two-mile hike, and and I we just moved to the town. I didn't know anybody here. I'm like, what am I getting myself into? And I mean, I saw some stuff. I mean, you know, they, you know, people shouldn't see. It. It's a, it's a shame. You know, it's, you know, you hear people say, oh, get out of here. You know, let's treat them with respect. You know, you don't know their situation. You know, because everybody's one step from being homeless. If you think about it in a layman's terms, yeah. everybody's one step. It takes one instance. You could be. You could lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to connect the dots and encourage you with something as I was preparing for tonight. For those of you that are just tuning in right now, I'm with Daniel Swart. Daniel and I grew up in New Milford, Connecticut. Uh, we knew nothing of the gospel as we were growing up. Uh, you know, might have known about church and things like that, but the saving gospel of Jesus Christ not something we really knew much about or talked much about in that sleepy little town that's up there. And we pray that it will awaken, but the band that ministered to you there, the name of the band is mercy me. When I hear you talk about what God's called you to do, I hear a lot of compassion, compassion for people in very difficult situations, situations maybe like what you were in. The word mercy in Greek, elios, actually means compassion. And mercy, Daniel, is actually a spiritual gift that's spoken of by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 and verses uh, 6 through 16. He speaks of a variety of spiritual gifts that are given according to his grace. And one of them is mercy. He says in Romans 12, 8, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness as one of the gifts. You, my friend, have been gifted with the gift of mercy. Because as I hear you talking about going out with these pancakes and sharing with the homeless, I hear joy and a bubbling up on the inside. This is your passion. This is what you do. And this dream that you have for this ranch for veterans, man, if there's anybody watching tonight, Daniel, what's the best way for people to get in, in touch with you? How can they reach out to you? Do you have an email or? Yeah, email. They can go to Dan underscore Swart, S-W-A-R-T at Yahoo.com. If you would like to partner with Dan in his vision and his dream that God has given him, his assignment, reach out to Daniel and link shields with him because he is being moved by the spirit of God. It encourages me to see somebody that I grew up with born again, brought into the kingdom of God. And it excites me even more to see somebody like Daniel with a heart for the gospel and a heart for those who need compassion and mercy. And Will says, I can't, I can't say it enough, but many gifts can come from suffering. I've experienced it in many of my own times and trials Good for you, my friend. Keep it up. I'm a uh, vet also, Army and Navy. So a vet weighing in tonight, and he believes in what you're doing, and we believe in you. And I just want to encourage you, and don't find it any surprise that God used a band named Mercy Me to reach out to you 
because that was speaking to your gifts on the inside that he wanted to use you for. He was prophetically speaking in a way of what he was, when you asked him, what do you want me to do? He was answering you through the name of that band, Mercy Me. And that is your gifting and that is your calling. And that is so, so exciting. What are some ways that people can uh, partner with you to help you see that vision for the ranch come about, Daniel? You know, it's, I know there's a lot of, a lot of logistics in things. And the biggest thing is, you know, I know a lot of the vets, it's not just, you know, building a ranch. It's, you know, they need the mental health uh, aspect. They need alcohol and drug, drug abuse counseling, you know, things like that. I know, believe me, I know it's not, you know, it's easier said than done, but I, I see it. I know what the, you know, what, what it would take, you know, grant writers, uh, people who are, you know, that just want to sit down and talk and, you know, we come up with an idea, you know, I even drew, drew a, uh, kind of a way the ranch could look, you know, having gardens, you know, give these people South Worth on, you know, growing their own vegetables. Even in Arizona, you could grow. Really? You know, uh, oh, yeah. There's a lot of different ways. Uh, Wallapini Gardens. I Believe me, I, I, I've done a lot of research and stuff, but, uh, you know, just got to have heart. It, I know there's people out there that see this situation, see this idea. It's not just sitting there saying, oh, well, homeless people, we'll just let them, they're homeless because they, they deserve it. They don't. We all need Let's worry about us and the, you know, I keep saying human race and not even just, you know, vets. It's, you know, uh, it's the homeless. I mean, I saw people from the ages of as young as 16 to to the age of 90, I, a 90 year old. One guy was a uh, was a Korean vet. And he goes, I just hit hard times. And it just it's a shame. You know, you, I'm sorry. You got to you got uh, a service member in the United States sleeping on the streets, wake up America. Yeah. You know, if we want to, you know, I'm going to take the old adage. I told you kind of, we chuckled about it was from uh, a Whoopi Goldberg film. Uh, uh, well, what it was, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Sister, Sister Act Two. Sister Act Two. You know, if you want to uh, be someone, you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. You know, don't worry about, you know, your own little bubble, get outside the bubble, go out and make a difference. Even if it's delivering, giving water to somebody here in Arizona, it gets 115, 118. There are people, you know, I've, I've had guys where, you know, we, we go get our bottled water at a, at a machine. You pay X amount of money and, you know, you get a gallon of water and stuff because you don't want to drink the tap water here. And I had a guy come up to me. He goes, can you get me some water? He goes, I said, I said, yeah. So I, I gave him a gallon of water. He goes, oh, one other question. Could you go grab me a soda? And he goes, I got the money he gave me. He goes, they won't allow me in the store because of the way I look. So I went in there, and a the guy goes, are you buying it for him? I said, it don't matter who I'm buying it for. I'm buying the free soda. Or I go, I'll go for some other place to buy it. I go, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. you show some compassion. I understand, you know. But it's they're not dredges of society, and that's – that's the thing. I mean, I came from a uh, very poor family. I mean, we had, there were seven of us, you know, and we, we all, you know, I mean, it was, it was rough. It was rough. I left home when I was 16 years old to, 
kind of find my own way and you know and i'm very thankful for how i did it and stuff and you know like you said namilford was a small little town yeah and then i kind of expanded where i was going and you know now we look at you know i mean it was a three-year plan process to come out to arizona and i'm very thankful for my buddy paul manning to convince me to come out here i came out a wing and a dream and it all worked out and you know, we've been to church, several churches, and we just kind of felt, you know, found this Calvary Church here in uh, Central Phoenix, which is they're phenomenal. I mean, real. It just, I mean, it's it's happening. I mean, it was really, really. I mean, if no one's ever been to a Christian service and seen a live band where they, you know, it's it, it's almost like a mini rock concert with with reading in the beat. In you know, yeah, reading the scripture, and it, it, it truly is. We never saw much of that where we grew up. That was not, no, that was no, not everything. You know, we just, you know, I remember, you know, Scattercoke Middle School, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was, you know, the school that had no walls. We just, That's we right. just had petitions. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, we got some comments that are coming in, and Michelle, she says, What a powerful testimony with hands clapping together. And then we also have Brooklyn. She says, I will always support your dreams, dad. You have come a long way with your journey. I'll always remember you telling me your dreams. I love you. And then Will's got a piece of wisdom for you here. He says, reach out to soldiers, angels out of Texas. They do food drives in many States and they might be able to, might be able to help you out there. Yeah. Good old Scattercoke middle school. When I, when we were in eighth grade, I, I ran for student council. I made student council on the campaign promise that I was going to get air conditioning in the school. Remember we didn't have air conditioning in there. I won, but they didn't get air conditioning until like six years later. So oh, I yeah. guess <laughs> that was my, my brief uh, stint in politics was doing that. And as I do that, it's funny, as I say, politics and election, my computer screen, my computer's listening to me and watching me. I just got a whole bunch of things with Mike Pence and Donald Trump all over my computer screen, advertising um, different stuff. So, wow, this AI technology is crazy. Dane, what does mercy mean to you? Having received mercy and being one who, who gives mercy. We talked a little bit about the theological definition of it being compassionate. What does it mean to be merciful to you? be really being kind not not looking at anybody in a negative way always trying to figure out you know try to help them you know when they're either lost or just having a bad day you know say hey man you know what's up and I, and I do do that you know I'm a guy at work you know I know guys have bad days and try to talk to them and I tell them about you know my my life and stuff I said I go I'm just my life's only one little span on a, on a life scale of this earth, but I'm going to make, make a difference. And it just show people, you know, love that you care for them. You know, you're just not a, I'm not just not a guy, you know, I'll do, I'm just a coworker. I'm not that I'm, I'm there and, you know, I'll, I'll find out about your life and see what, see what you're about and, you know, find out your history and this and that, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, uh, ram anything that I, I believe in down anybody's throat. I'll talk about it. I have no problem with it. You know, uh, my buddy Bill Al- Alpenar uh, from work, him and I talk about it all the time. And, 
he sees big things. You know, he goes just the way you are, and he is, you know, and that that's what I, I see. You know, it's show love everybody. Don't you know, don't criticize them. Everybody has a story and you don't you, you don't walk in your shoes. I tell people all the time. If you don't know me, I go walk in my shoes for for uh, for a few hundred feet. You ain't gonna like it because I've been there. I've been to I hate to say it, I've been to hell and back many times, and I just keep you know and I just keep move you know keep moving forward. It's not you know it's not, uh, another movie Rocky Balboa. There's a song uh, Sylvester Stallone said to his son. He goes, you know, it's not how hard you get hit it's how hard you can get hit get knocked down and keep moving forward and how much more you can take and you just keep moving forward and that's what i do i don't let negativity in my life i'm gonna do what i want and i'm gonna enjoy it and i'm gonna and i'm gonna make make a difference i'm not looking to be famous i'm not looking to be you know uh on a talk you know big talk show to uh, to my own whistle, I'm out to make a difference in humanity and and help people. That's that's what it's about, you know. If I can make somebody smile, you know, even if they're bad, you know, always smile because keep them guessing. And that that's the biggest thing. We're gonna need that more and more because the world is getting darker and darker and crazier and crazier by the minute. And there's something that you said I want to go back to that I really like, and I want to put context to it. What you were saying about the human race. It doesn't matter where you live, what color you are, what language you speak. We are all together. We're all human beings. And that goes right back to the book of Genesis where all of us, no matter where we live, what language we speak, we're all created in the image of of God. And that's why it's so important to be kind to each other, because when we are interacting with each other, we are interacting with those that are supposed to be image bearers of God. That's why murder is so heinous, uh, the commandment against murder in, in the Ten Commandments, the law. God forbids it, and it's an extremely heinous sin. And the reason for its heinousness is you are taking the life, you're taking the breath, the, the spirit out of somebody who was created in the image of God. And that's why it's so important for us for, to show compassion to others. And we could sit and talk about the technicalities of compassion all day. And man, it is hard what you're saying to do to get over ourselves and our own criticisms and what we think of other people. We have to get over that. And that's only something that can be done by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Only God's Spirit can override our thoughts and our flesh to be compassionate to others. And that's what Jesus taught when he was here on earth during his earthly ministry, is he showed compassion. He showed great compassion. As a matter of fact, before we close, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how Jesus is such a great high priest for us that we can go to him with anything because he suffered everything. Everything that we've gone through, he suffered. That was the reason for the cross. He took all that suffering for us on the cross, and then he defeated that suffering by rising again, resurrection, on the third day. He took it all. 
And because he was afflicted at every point, and he, he was even tempted like we were in the flesh. Every temptation that we feel, the only difference is he didn't give in to it when he was on earth. He overcame those temptations, but he was tempted in every point that we're tempted in. And he did that so that he could be an effective high priest for us standing before the throne of God. He is the first among many brethren. And Daniel, I am so excited to call you not just friend from New Milford, Connecticut, (laughs) the small town, but also a brother. Is there anything else you'd like to share this evening before we close out? Oh, biggest thing, I would just tell you what the one passage I like in the Bible was Matthew 19 26. In short, with God, all things is possible. Yes. yes. And that's, that's, that's how I live my life. With God, all things is, is possible. Mercy mixed with faith. It's absolutely beautiful. Daniel, hold on. I just got to close out and uh, we'll be right back. Let me go ahead and go to the solo. Oh, there we go. Hey, thank you all for joining us this evening for the special edition of Raven's Heart. I wanted to share some testimony tonight of what Jesus did in the life of somebody I grew up with and just found again on Facebook. And we're seeing this more and more. The Spirit of God is moving and he's saving people and setting them free. And that, what we just heard tonight, is what I call not just fruit, but fruit that remains. That is fruit of the Spirit right there. And hey, don't forget to join us for Get Revelation Rock Fest Saturday, May 13th at the Hanahan Amphitheater. You can go ahead and get your tickets right now at Lithoscry. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y dot com. And please, if you are watching on YouTube or if you're watching on Facebook, check us out at Lithoscry. And go ahead and subscribe and ring that bell because that helps us out. And that helps us get this message out to those that need to hear it. And until next time, everybody, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com